space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. We're in Season 3, Episode 70 of the podcast and Season 3, Episode 16 of Enterprise and its Doctor's Orders. And as always, I am not alone. I am joined by... You're joined by Dan. Uh, Dan, who's Dan? Um, I'm running out of things to say at this point, but <laughs> Dan, I'm Dan, he's Dan. We're both Dan, which I guess means that between us we are... Dan! Dan! Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a Dan. You're a Dan. I don't know if you're a hallucination of a Dan, whether, you know, I I just think that I've got a partner on this insane journey through Star Trek and I'm just wish fulfillment. I just wish I had someone to talk to. Are you actually here? I don't know. We'll just have to find out. Um, (laughs) But uh, finally, 2154 has begun. We've said goodbye to 2153. We might be saying hello to a season arc or what's left of the season arc, I guess, because we're already half the way through the season. <laughs> um, just uh, ready to pick up, ready to get going or like just hoping that something will happen. Yeah. Do you know, it's really funny. I was watching this morning. I was watching um, this episode this morning. And again, it just there's no art going on, is there? <laughs> <laughs> and I and I started to watch Hatchery a little bit as well, and uh, there's no art going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the word arc has been loosely termed to say the least, <laughs> and I think that actually this is uh, talking of hallucinations. I think this is maybe like a a sort of a, a massive joint hallucination of everyone that there was an arc <laughs> in season three, because I'm yet to see it. If I'm honest, <laughs> I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. It, it's more of a bend or a curve than, <laughs> yeah. a, than, a, than a proper arc. It's yeah. it, There's a little bump every now and then, yeah. and we've had like allusions to something going on, but really there has been no progression on no. what's happened. <laughs> they found one weapon. That's it. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is Doctor's Orders. Uh, yes. Before, obviously, we get into the usual stuff, any re- memories of this, any sort of thoughts on the episode in general? Um, not memories, really. I, I, I think um, I got a bit confused with Doctor's. I think I mix up Doctor's Orders and A Night in Sick Bay, and 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 um, even um, that one. What's the one where they they all start getting obsessed with stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of all, a singularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in mm. my memory, they all sort of they. I think I must have made one episode from three episodes. <laughs> um, but actually, I really quite enjoy this episode. I mean. The reason I enjoy this episode is is Flox, really. And I think, actually, to be fair, T'Pol was really good in this as well. Yes. Um, mm. And those two sort of playing off each other is, is really good. So I quite enjoy this episode, despite the fact it isn't part of the arc and despite the fact that, you know, 
not a lot really happens, as as is often the case <laughs> with Enterprise. <laughs> and not a lot of the episode is actually real. Like, yeah, exactly. there's quite quite a bit of it doesn't actually happen. It's just yeah. in someone's head. Uh, spoilers. Um, yeah, it's it's one that I remember. I remember that there was an episode where he's on his own on the ship. I just couldn't remember the reason. Mm. And now that we know that they're passing through another anomaly, which last time they ran across, this time. They've actually had to go through it because they can't go round it. Otherwise, it will detour them even more. Um, but they, in Harbinger, they had to turn away and then they caused themselves to be delayed by a, mm. a couple of days. This one, at least, is in their path. Yep. Um, but uh, all of that, I just did not remember. I remember him being on his own. I remember the twist at the end. But anything else, just couldn't remember at all. Um so yep that's it so that's our idea going in as i always like to sort of establish before we get started on our l cars rating and l cars uh starts with l for locate the point in time this is basically where we just talk about the episode so we start in a temporal trek way at four minutes 49 seconds so this is actually two days earlier from the majority of the action of the episode it's flocks saying or, or delivering a narration we don't know who to at this point but a narration that they've come across a phenomenon and it's on their path to Azati Prime. Remember that? Remember the fact they've got a mission to get somewhere? Yeah, we forgot about that last week. We're forgetting about it this week. We might even forget about it next week as well. Um, and there we go. Uh, it's similar to the one they came across a few weeks ago, according mm. to Topol, which means like their three-week mission to get to Azati yeah. Prime might be even longer than they originally thought. I don't know. Um, but uh, they realize that they can't go through it. They have to actually, um, you know, shut down their own neocortexes. Uh, and it's like putting a computer into sleep mode during an ion storm. Uh, that uh, it's dangerous for them to go through. And it's going to mean they're going to be in a coma for four days. And Trip does not seem too keen about that or using the warp engines in there as well. Um, so it's pretty dire, pretty a uh, weird situation it uh, yet again calls back to one of my favorite books to read to my kids uh we're going on a bear hunt we can't go over it we can't go under it we have to go through it and that's it um and we end at six minutes 32 seconds so any thoughts on the establishment of the problem of the week um i, I suppose the thing that made me laugh about it is is the um the um physiology bit that always comes mm -hmm. into it. I mean, it's not Vulcan physiology this time, it's Denoblin physiology, but luckily, <laughs> by some sort of quirk of fate, Denoblins <laughs> seem to be okay, um, which is very handy, isn't it? Mm. And canines. And canines, um, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Or, yeah. or are they? Or are they? That's true. I mean, what if he imagined yeah. everything? everything? That's very true. So this is an imaginary Porthos as well yeah. as perhaps other members of the crew. Yeah. Ooh. That would be really interesting. Actually, Porthos was imagined the whole time. And actually, he was a really tidy Porthos because there was there was no pooper scoopers. No, like no. He wasn't doing that. That was never shown in this episode. And they don't have Ensign Pooper Scooper because he's in a coma as well. So yeah. the ship is looking unusually tidy for someone doing that. So that's the, a good point. The other thing that occurred to me was that it's very lucky that they've got enough of those little silver disc things <laughs> for the whole crew. <laughs> that was lucky. I wonder who packed that. Yeah, I mean, do you think that maybe that there's a there's the quartermaster? We've established this. Yes. Is there like a medical quartermaster? So someone with a bit more specialized medical knowledge. So they actually have like a little workbench area. So now there's two crew members in the quartermaster area. 
Maybe. Yes. Maybe. 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 Uh, little leftover gadgets and gizmos. Who knows? Yes. Just a little. <laughs> Um, I've run out of them. Uh, we've got 80 crew. Uh, I've got 79. Uh, I've got a button. Can we use a button? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, we come back at six minutes, 55 seconds. So we're still getting the narration. Flox is being shown how to show uh, how to fly the ship. And he has a newfound respect for that. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Timmy. Timmy. I think. Yes. Timmy Tim, again. Yeah, Timmy? yeah. 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 I think so. But I mean, we don't know his name because, I mean, you know, he's clearly so busy flying the ship if he's well, that busy. Not only that, but let's be honest. From from our from the evidence that we've seen, it is possible that Timmy is in fact a hallucination <laughs> completely the whole time. <laughs> he's, he's been a hallucination. The old, that's the twist they should have had for the very final episode that Travis was never there. Sorry, yeah. Timmy was never there. Oh my god, yes. What if he actually is? Because like when they were cave caving, he yeah. got injured. What yes. if it was actually one of the others that was that was their thing? He con- constantly talks about you know, flagons and all this sort of stuff, but that could be someone else's. T- oh, wow. Travis was a hallucination the entire time. I'm loving this. I, I think this is really yeah. good. Yeah. And he loves a good ghost story. So the fact that he would he be the subject of his own ghost story, that yeah. would be really good as well. Um, <laughs> we also go to engineering and Trip says that um, you need to check this every two hours. You need to do this. Um, I wouldn't let you in here without at least four years of Starfleet yeah. training, unless, of course, you're uh, space priests, not the terrorist space priests, but the ones back in cold front, the ones who are allowed <laughs> in to inf- in- have a look at the warp core because we're showing off at this point. There's no war out arc or anything going on. Or maybe if you're an Andorian or a Vulcan or any of the other species who have been let into the warp core and allowed to push some buttons. Um, uh, but we didn't get and I feel like this is a where is Hayes, a bit where he's being shown how to shoot or, or or sort of defend himself because we've just established last week that in these regions, the harbinger species, whatever they might be, the sphere builders, can survive. So presumably the Enterprise could be taken over by some bad guys at some point who can live in the anomaly, just as Denobulans can, apparently. Um, so why did we not get a little thing? So is this a where is Hayes? It's time to find the Makos, it's time to find Zindi, it's all gonna happen here in Season 3. I think it's more that Flox is actually a dead shot mm. already. He's, nice. he's, you know, <laughs> he, he's, he's really good already, I reckon, I reckon he's, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, later on, he does get a little face pistol and start walking around. Yeah. He says, fortunately, I'm a bad shot. Was he being, you know, a little bit humble? And actually, he's really good. And it feeds into your idea. Like, if Porthos isn't there, you just imagine the dog kind of skipping. Yeah. You know, when you're, like, playing a game yeah. and there's a glitch and then the character just skips backwards and glitches yeah. out? Maybe that's what Porthos did as that's well. That's right. It's a bit of um, Matrix, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's the, the woman in the red dress. coming back. <laughs> It's the Porthos. He glitches round again. Deja vu. Oh, no, they've changed something. Uh, we're in Archer's quarters. Uh, the crew are almost all already out. Flox has this sort of annoyed persona about himself. Like, he's, I've had the same conversation. Please don't put me out. I must be at my station, all this sort of stuff. But actually, Archer just says, look, I wouldn't trust anyone else to do it. And uh, just any thoughts on that character moment between the two of them? Yeah, I think that's cool, really. I mean, I suppose <laughs> what else can you do to a degree? 
I mean, I suppose it's good captaincy because he's not saying, look, man, I'm really shitting my pants here because <laughs> I've got no idea if you're going to be able to manage this. <laughs> but uh, instead, he's like being diplomatic and being a captain. So, yeah, I trust you. You're the man. <laughs> Behind his back, his fingers are crossed. Yeah. Say. Yes, I, I know you're shitting it, sir. I can I can smell it down the corridor. Oh, exactly, phew, yeah. Jesus. Um, and that ends us at nine minutes and 22 seconds. Then we go back to the beginning of the episode in order to sort of now watch it in the right order to zero minutes zero seconds at the beginning of the episode and the enterprise is now in the distortion uh the bridge is empty we get to see all the sets just being yeah. the sets no one in it sort of stepping out the episode and just as an as a viewer uh, you know and we're not watching star trek just you know the chance to sort of see the sets just operating on their own did you like it? Would, you know, is it uh, a weird sort of thing to to think of that these are just sitting there and no one's acting? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Really, I hadn't thought, but I I really like this bit. Just this sort of, you know, as you say, this sort of empty ship. And I, I think it's really clever when you first watch it because you're not quite sure what's going on here. Mm. You know, have they been abducted? What's happening? I mean, it's one of the the things about this episode is that it's sort of ruined on the second viewing, or you know. Mm. Because you know the sort of twist, you know the, mm. the the conceit, you know. But when you first come, you know it is quite, in, you know, what's happened and what's going on. So I quite like it actually. Yeah, mm. and yeah, the proper way of watching this, not the temporal trick way. It yeah. is a sort of believable, weird yeah. kind of uh, you know, draw in. You know, why, why is everything empty if they abandon the ship? Have the Zindi taken over? What's what's going on? Um, so yeah, it, it's a really great way to to watch that episode. Um, but obviously we're not doing that. We're doing the stupid way of watching it. Uh, as as uh, Porthos is pouring at uh, the door and he just wants to go over and uh, Flox doesn't seem to know what to say. Uh, heal, anything, uh, something to do with that. Uh, but he goes over to a passed out archer who we saw already getting into his bed uh, in the conversation. So in the Temporal Trek way, there was no surprise for us because we already knew that he'd just been put out. And we go to the credits coming back at two minutes and 44 seconds. Uh, Flox is researching canines. Now he's lived on a ship with canines for what three and a half years, and didn't think to maybe just look up the fact they're territorial. You know the behaviour. He's got all that myriad zoo of animals in his uh, sick bay, but didn't think to look out for you know maybe the other animals that are on board and maybe their habits if the case is a problem. Um, very strange. But there we go. Uh, and he reads about other ones, Scruffers, the one who came back to his owner from kilometres, and some Pican space moth who came over half a light year. I mean, uh, that's pretty interesting. What is a space moth? And why are they not bumping into suns all the time? Very weird. Um, and this is where we find out what the narration was for. It's a letter to Dr. Lucas. Uh, Dr. Lucas is back, you know, yes. third time in the row, uh, as being mentioned. We haven't met him yet. Maybe we'll meet him in the future. Um, but, you know, this this Lucas as a device, uh, the sort of narration device, it starts off really well. And then we kind of come away from it. And then we spend the episode with flocks and other things as well. And then we come back to the letter at the very end. It doesn't always sort of pepper its way through the episode. Do you feel like it should have carried on going that way? Or we should have been, you know, or what we got was actually okay. I think it was okay because I think maybe if it if it was too much, it'd become a little bit. I don't know. It, it, it's quite nice, you know, that you got that little bit of the letter, and then at the end, and and you sort of got this all that's going on, and and you 
it's like it's like sometimes I'm trying to think of an example. I can't think of an example, but you know when you have like someone that starts saying a, a, a like talk telling a story, mm-hmm. and then it flashes to the actual story and it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I think that works nicely rather than that over that sort of ongoing um, voiceover. Yes. I think we might be a little bit bit grinding actually after a while, mm-hmm. and it would sort of make the it be quite stiff to to do. So I think it, yes. I think it's it works nicely actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a real trope, isn't it? But it works mm-hmm. quite nicely. Yeah, and if we had been cutting back to Doctor Lucas reading in that letter, it would have completely fudged up our temporal trek way of watching it. So yeah, I'm quite yeah. glad with what we actually got. Flocks <laughs> uh, <laughs> is uh, explaining to Lucas um, that he's gone home to grieve. So we get an idea that you know doctors are being recalled. That there's a, a wider consequence to this Cindy conflict. That you know all of the programs that are out in space have actually been called back. Maybe Earth is becoming insular, which I thought was a quite n- nice little way of an organic way of showing us that there's more to this conflict than just what's going on in the enterprise. Um, yeah. That perhaps earth is, is in shock and things aren't as great as they should be. Um, as, as Flox is also feeding leeches to Porthos, which, uh, you know, it, now that you say it and you know, what if Porthos was imaginary makes more sense. Cause surely that's going to make him sick. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there we go. Don't tell the captain, though. Uh, so he's just as bad as Archer after all these years. Um, and that brings us up to four minutes, 48 seconds. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Sort of the the whole sort of Earth becomes insular, like Dr. Lucas is our way in. Yeah, that's really interesting. It hadn't occurred to me, but I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that shows up later on, doesn't it, in season four with, is it home, I think? Mm. Um, you know, that, there's definitely an after effect of the Zindi attack and stuff. And I think you're right, actually. I mean, that's, it's interesting in some ways, isn't it? That, you know, we jump straight into season three, straight into the expanse and we never actually see, uh, I mean, I think there's a little bit of earth, isn't there? Maybe a few, like literally like flashes of earth, but there's not really. And, and we don't really see. And, and I suppose the other thing is that as we move forward, because this is like, this has come after TNG, etc. Mm. We never get any sort of reference to it in, you know, into the Zindi attack and how that affected Earth in the sort of late 24th century, 24th, 23rd century, whatever it is, mm-hmm. 22nd, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what century we're in. <laughs> we're in the 22nd, but oh, yeah. Yeah. oh thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the 22nd, yeah. On the device. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose. It would have been interesting, actually. I mean, again, this is maybe where um, storytelling has changed over the years. Whether you know, it would have been if we if it was made now, there might have been more of the sort of political fallout and stuff back on Earth and stuff. There might have been a sort of dual storyline going on between you know them going out to try to, to to defeat the Zindi and 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 what's going on on Earth and stuff would have been sort of more weaved into the story. So. Yeah, it would have been nice to see more, actually. Considering that up to now, it's been very piecemeal getting the arc or getting a reference to the Zindi, using those moments to then have Forrest fighting on Archer's behalf, maybe yeah. convincing Saval and bringing Saval round, and we have some Vulcan reinforcements on the way or new technologies being sent to them. And actually there's like, you know, um, dead letter drops of new technology that they've been able to acquire from, you know, so-and-so race. And, the you know, the, 
Enterprise sort of swoops past the outer edge of the expanse to pick up new bits of tech, but they also find out, oh, there's this, you know, faction or this side of the political sphere that's actually saying, well, maybe we should pull back. The Vulcans were right all along, you know, that sort of stuff um, that could, I think, like you say, today, if this show were being made, would easily be something. And there would be uh, duplicitous people in the background, perhaps changing their ideas. Um, And we wouldn't get things like extinction. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> that's the only way i'm going to work that into this episode because i don't <laughs> think there was anything there um at six minutes 33 seconds we're coming back in at the other half of the conversation so watching it in a temple trek way does kind of ruin how the letter is read out which is very weird um but flock says that denobulin physiology is immune a checks on timmy but puts a sandwich on his belly <laughs> i don't again maybe he wasn't there maybe he was actually by a table where he just put the sandwich and he just imagined that timmy is just laying there on the table i don't know And that's up to six minutes, 54 seconds. Then back in at nine minutes, 23 seconds. Flox is in engineering. He's running everything perfectly. Do we need trip? Do we need an engineering crew? I mean, at the moment, he's doing pretty good on his own. I know they're just going at, you know, sub light speeds, but he's taking care of business. I mean, do we need trip? Um, Yes. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Do we need trip? (laughs) Despite having a whole episode where they cloned him because they needed him, yes. um, apparently, as long as you've got a doctor who's been shown something for five minutes, he can do just yep. as good as Trip for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a noise. Creepy music starts mm-hmm. to come in, uh, and uh, he'll be relieved that two days, sixteen hours, and forty-three minutes will be over. Uh, you know, it's all going to end. Uh, we get some uh, sort. Of, lots of chop and change with some montage sequences of flocks jogging and singing so we get a bit denobly and singing uh which is quite nice he's naked in sick bay we get we get the austin powers moment where there's a a really oversized pad that we've never seen before and probably won't see again just strategically placed over his crotch um (laughs) you know watching movies and he's watching uh i can't remember what the actual movie was but i, I no. sort of recognize having seen it before probably just because i remember the episode um but he's seeing an old movie and he's watching a comedy despite yes. the fact that trip is always making them watch horror whilst <laughs> they're in the zindi arc um you know he's finally watching a comedy and everything's fine um porthos makes him feed him popcorn is porthos some sort of master manipulator you know when he got uh, fused with a bit of lizard yes. DNA, yeah, y- y- can he actually mind read now, or like tell me like feed me the things I want, not the need? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, just yeah, maybe, maybe his like his his um, urine is now a, a neurotoxin, which <laughs> makes <laughs> makes people do his bidding. Porthos <laughs> <laughs> has been running the ship all along. Yeah. And he's been trying to tell them that there is no such person as Timmy and they're not listening to him. Like that. It's all an illusion. Why are you, why do you guys talk about this guy? And he's just, he's not real. Um, uh, he shouldn't have let him watch the exorcist last week. So again, <laughs> trips insistence on them watching horror is having a de- negative impact on, on them. And uh, since Harbinger trip, has still been doing it. So is it a good idea to to leave Trip in charge of movie night? Um maybe just have someone else pick some movies? Maybe. Um but thank God they didn't watch Alien or uh you know anything with like a cabin in the woods where they're left on their own because that'd be even worse for him. There's another noise. 
<laughs> there's another noise in Shuttle Bay. Uh, there's a steam and a chain, and Topol yeah. appears. Yes. Strange. She was running a diagnostic, but she didn't sort of step out when uh, clearly Phlox was shouting. Everyone could hear Phlox shouting. Um, is it a starship or a haunted house? So, yeah, Phlox appears. Uh, uh, sorry, Topol appears. And I thought only Phlox could, uh, to, mm. could come out in this. There was no mention of Vulcan physiology. I mean, it fits with what we know from previous episodes of Star Trek. But up to this point, you know, were you shocked to see Topol? Um, no, not in a, in a funny sort of way. I think because of the Vulcan physiology thing and also the way she enters is so sort of matter of fact and, you know, <laughs> and, and he doesn't react at all. And so in without seeing it again, you know, it, you, you sort of go, oh, okay. It's a bit like um, one of remember the royal family. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite episodes. I don't know what actually else happens, but I remember the bit where there's a, there's an episode and and um, until about twenty minutes in, Jim Royal isn't in it at all. Yeah, and he just comes downstairs from having a poo, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> just great, you know. And it's a bit like that. She just sort of she's not been in it at all, and she just appears because you know it's just. <laughs> No. That's why she didn't answer. She yeah, was she's in just the... having a really long poo. <laughs> yeah, we haven't yeah, I mean, we don't really know much about how long Vulcans spend in the toilet. So, you know, there's a lot of concentration involved. Perhaps they meditate to yeah, get it meditate, out of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um she's just there squatting out. It's like it's like watching a Mr. Whippy, you know, using the on top of the thing, and then she's got to flush it, and then it doesn't work. And then, you know, there's flocks shouting off, is anyone there? And she's like, oh, I can't really say anything right now. It's really noisy. But there we go. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe yeah. the quarter I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, like, the, the bit where she talks about enjoying the solitude, maybe yeah. she hasn't been able to have a poo for about three months. Oh, my God, she's backed up. Because it's been really hectic, and she's just... <laughs> Finally, she's gone. Oh, thank God for that. I can just sit and have a, a nice, relaxing poo. Just take me time. I don't need to close the door. I can just chill right out. <laughs> she's reading Vulcan News Weekly. Just to yeah, sit back, exactly, just yeah. flicking through. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Around the humans, she just doesn't want to poo. So yeah, yeah. I, and I don't blame her. Uh, and now the toilet isn't working because maybe the quartermaster's assistant has nicked one of the buttons so they got those things on the yes. forehead. So there we go. Um, uh, but yes, she mentions being alone. She loves solitude. There we go. We'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> and over dinner or over two soups, Phlox digs in, but T'Pol doesn't eat. She doesn't touch anything. She doesn't use anything. Um, any thought, any sort of memories from first watching this before you know the twist? I've sort of seen how she didn't sort of engage with him. Any sort of let up? Did you, did no, you kind of figure I'm, it out? I'm hopeless at things like that. I'm so yeah. unobservant. I just go, oh, okay. I didn't even <laughs> notice, you know. Probably took about four viewings before I even noticed she didn't do these things. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. useless at stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I First time watching this episode, uh, I don't remember picking up on it at all. And the twist... Not just necessarily shocking, but it was like, a, oh, that's a clever thing they did. Um, this time around, I was looking for it yeah, and I kind of yeah. noticed it. And, and it's really good how it's it's shot and you can see the bowls in the screen, but you don't even see her going for the fork. You don't even see her doing anything. She just sits there talking to him. Um, so, yeah, uh, we go 
a little bit back to Dr. Lucas's letter and he just says that, you know, uh, it's a shame you haven't gone to any Denobulan nightclubs because of uh, people being just in the moment. And I kind of want to go to a Denobulan nightclub. It sounds fun, I have to say. Um, uh, checking up on Archer and there's something on the hull. A yes. very kind of Twilight Zone. Uh, you can almost have William Shatner shouting, Is there something on the wing? Um, yes. <laughs> and they go scanning. They go hunting for this thing. Uh, they're going on a bear hunt, just like I said earlier. <laughs> uh, Paul says that you're having difficulty. So we're kind of getting an a, a, an inkling that something unstable is happening to flocks as well. Yeah. Um, and again, is would that have been your first inkling that actually maybe something isn't quite right, that flocks is suffering? Yeah, I guess so. Um, from memory, I think probably the first time I really noticed it without thinking about it properly was when I think it was either, I can't remember if, 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 um, which one of Hoshi, um, Archer or, or Trip turns up first, but whichever one sort of Trip turns up first, that's the first inclination you think, oh, hang on a minute, something's mm-hmm. going on here. Yeah. And I guess to a degree, the Zindi as well, because, you know, that is extraordinary, I think, in some ways. That's sort of like, you know, quite a big thing. And you suddenly think, oh, hang on a minute, this, there can't be a Zindi on board because, you know. So, yeah, but other than that, I think it's it's done really well. The bits between Tepol to to and Flocks are really good because mm. there isn't, you know, as you say, when, you, when you're looking for it, you can see it. But until then, I don't think you can really. I think it's it's very well done. It's it's very believable. Mm. She she doesn't hold the tricorder whilst he's holding the phaser. It's yeah. it's yeah, it's obvious. Um, it is Hoshi. Uh, that's the next scene. Um, he sees an insectoid over her, and I kind of feel like it really made sense that it's Hoshi that he has the first hallucination with, because even way back in Fight and Flight, the second episode of Enterprise, um, that you know he's very fatherly paternal towards hoshi protective of hoshi so when he screams out you know get away from her and all this sort of stuff um and then runs off <laughs> he leaves her to be you know eaten by the alexentoid as far as that is concerned but that instinct to, to protect hoshi seems to be the big drive uh, for his hallucinations at least uh and he goes into the the, the side chamber it doesn't quite look like an airlock it doesn't look yeah. like a shuttlecraft area but he seals it anyway and then you see the shadow going across and there's shaking glass um you know typical horror stuff but there we go yeah. um yeah just uh any thoughts on on that on flocks and, and hoshi um yeah flocks and hoshi i suppose you're right really i think flocks is quite a sort of fatherly figure full stop in some ways for the whole crew, mm. I think the fact that he is an alien and his species have got more experience in space and stuff, and he's very sort of confident and and jovial and stuff. He's he plays quite an important role in that. That he gives that sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of knowledge that's okay that stuff's okay if that makes mm. sense i don't know i'm not quite mm. sure what i'm trying to say but um there's a protective spirit about him i suppose yeah definitely yeah, yeah. and he's he's i think he just you know he's got that experience that mm. they haven't and he's been to other planets and stuff and a bit like to mm. but to is so sort of stiff <laughs> and he's the absolute opposite of the vulcans you know mm. sort of jovial happy 
go lucky sort of you know sex mad (laughs) 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 yes he is absolutely and that's why i love him um (laughs) he's he's in the armory uh flox uh got a gun again to paul doesn't pick one up um uh, the Makos will be incapacitated within a few minutes if we try and wake them up. It's all right. They'd be incapacitated no matter who was on the Enterprise, so it really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Flox is going hunting again, and this time with the phase pistol in hand. Uh, again, T'Pol passively follows. So it, it's sort of retreading this idea that actually he's getting more and more unstable. Now he's armed and all this sort of thing. Um, we get this trip-trappy noise, uh, which sounds like insectoid claws to us at first but then it just turns out it's just to pull uh just uh porthos you know tip tapping away on the uh the old uh deck plating um almost shoots porthos but misses but again if porthos is completely in his imagination it doesn't matter he would have glitched out yeah. anyway um it's healthy to his hallucinate which is a callback to exile where he told hoshi again being you know fatherly towards hoshi that it's okay you can have these hallucinations but as we said back in exile no surely that's not a bad thing it's it's not a good thing to be hallucinating at all um and to paul reacts in a very agitated way she's she's frustrated more than when she normally is when she's talking to humans but she's so much more frustrated the fact he can't use the scanner or or shoot he almost shoots the captain's dog um she can't even bring herself to say porthos even in uh, flox's imagination it's a very accurate portrayal in in interpol at that at that point yeah it's interesting actually just because i was thinking about this morning what i liked about interpol was i don't think interpol was quite right Mm mm-hmm and what I think is interesting, I think I don't know if it was done on purpose or whether it's just me sort of projecting, but she is almost she's Flox's imagination of mm-hmm. to pole. Mm. And I think that's really good. If they did that on purpose, and I think Joni and Blaylock probably did, she mm-hmm. just sort of turned us, you know, just sort of retuned herself slightly and, and was slightly off of, you know. And I think that's another thing that makes it really, really good, mm. is that she does that, and and it, it she's just not quite to pole, but she's sort of the imagination, the, the imagining of who to pole is. You know that, you know, like mm. you have a a mental image of somebody, don't you? And yeah. You, you know, but it's always sort of it's not quite them because you don't know, you know, you're not them, and all the rest, you know. So it's, it's re- I think it was done really nicely, and I really hope it was done on purpose. Yeah. I, I could well believe that she w- did because her character changes the more agitated Flox gets as well. Yeah. So every change into Paul's behavior mirrors what Flox is doing. It it did kind of feel like this was an actor's project between the two of them for yes. John and for uh, Jolene to sort of work yeah. together. Um, and yeah, I hands down, I think it's one of the best things that both of them were able to do on the mm-hmm. show because they worked so well together uh, to pull off what eventually becomes the twist at the end. Um uh, now we get another one. It's uh, the exorcist uh, zombie shower scene with, again, Hoshi. Oh, yeah. yep. uh, you know, you're going to kill us. You should have told us all this sort of stuff. Archer then appears in the turbo lift again. And, you know, he, he looks more concerned about Flocks than he is about Zindi. Again, a very accurate Archer, I suppose. Yeah. He knew exactly what was wrong with this hallucination purely because uh, Archer wasn't being angry uh, or being <laughs> abducted, maybe. Yes. Um, to pull them finds him again 
they go to sick bay uh, and now Phlox knows that physically he is being affected that perhaps denobulin physiology isn't as perfect as he thought it might have been so it's uh, probably the first time that has ever happened isn't it that actually the whole yeah. f- physiology argument has broken down in its own episode yeah, uh so true, isn't it yeah yeah like yeah. they they've played on that trope and now they've flipped it on its head that actually he was wrong to begin with it was there it's just very minute at the moment it's pecking away at him um and they find out that they've got six hours left um flocks checks the navigation and uh they should have been out but they're not they're not going to be because it's actually expanding faster than they can fly away from it uh it's now going to take them 10 weeks don't worry they're in no hurry um you know it was going to take three but they didn't mind they took a detour last week what's another 10 weeks who cares uh leave reed in his suspended animation but there we go um <laughs> yeah well they should have t- i mean that's the other thing they could have he could have taken him out couldn't he yeah that would have been you know got rid of him <laughs> I'm really HR sorry, concerns. Yeah, it's, re- it's really important reed that you come out of it's so important yeah oh oh you're dying are you oh oh no <laughs> He was actually the last one to be woken up because everyone was like, just, just give him a couple yeah, more days. Give him another, yeah. We don't need him. It's fine. Even Hayes was like, yeah, that's okay by me as well. I know we've had our differences, but still, geez, just, just leave him. <laughs> yeah, so it's expanding. Or is it? Now, this is another thing. As I was watching again, the same way that you've now suggested that Porthos is part of his imagination, is the expansion of the thing part of his delusion as well it's his fear of not being good enough admittedly they're going to clear it by doing this little warp thing so going to warp it was going to clear whether it was six hours away or now 10 weeks away um yeah it was never really clear whether actually he imagined the unexplained uh expansion of it um and whether he was sort of imagining the drama or got everything wrong I don't think so because doesn't at the end when everything's got back to normal, Trip does com- commend him on getting out of there. True, true. But then he's the uh, one writing yeah. the report. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I don't know. Who knows? And if that was the case, I mean, if it is the case that everything was his delusion, we really should have just not watched this episode most of the time, and I would have dismissed it as a dream sequence. Yeah. But then I don't think I could have lived with myself cutting out another good episode in season three from your <laughs> from your watch through. I've already taken away Carpenter Street. I've already taken away Twilight from you. I don't feel like I should take a third one as well. Um, <laughs> but as always, engineering is completely down to four buttons and yes. some levers. That's all it will take. <laughs> He's got a dozen scientific degrees. He's a doctor, a dentist, a vet. That's three. Tattooist is four. Plastic surgery is five. Neurosurgeon is six. Psychiatrist and makeup artist. And maybe dietitian is nine. That still leaves three or four that we haven't heard about of his different qualifications. So, yeah. The other thing that I've noticed in this, and this is only, I only noticed that I think this morning. Is there a callback to Devil in the Dark? Oh. Where... Um, McCoy says I'm a doctor, not a plaster or something. Oh, and he says I'm a doctor, not a warp technician or something. Yes, I think it might be. So it's almost a call forward. Like it's not even a flashback. It's it's a call forward to something. Maybe McCoy. Maybe this is a consequence of the episode. Maybe McCoy has that has his catchphrase because Flocks used to say it, and he's like his hero or something like that. Maybe. Oh, that's true. I will have to keep that in. So yeah. 
he's a doctor, not a warp field specialist, or yeah. I think it was, yeah. And I can't remember quite what McCoy says, but it's it's something along mm. those lines, isn't it? I'm a doctor, yeah. not a plaster not. or a bricklayer or something. Or... Bricklayer. I think yeah, it yeah. might be bricklayer. Yes. Yep. And again, that's one that feeds through and he says it, you know, I, I see it other times as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Topol is now unhinged and it is that it's it's one of those meme things you see of her sort of like looking up, trying to think of the explanation. But obviously that's because Flocks can't think of the explanation. Yeah. So it's a great moment where the, it mirrors what he's going through. Um, yeah. uh, it is baffling, though, that we need an entire crew of engineering and it is the largest thing if one doctor who isn't qualified to use it can at least initiate warp uh, speed on his own admittedly a bit shaky but he did do it i know he's highly qualified and he's got 12 degrees but really do we need a whole engineering staff um trip appears being a dick but don't worry it's imaginary trip so it's okay uh, so that's not a triptrid because uh, he's not real. And uh, Flox's self-doubt sort of comes through that. And yeah, it all gets shaky, shaky. And it's a sort of a big action sequence. There's a lot of stuff happening. It takes about five to six minutes of the episode. Um, but we're not learning anything. It's just literally, you know, sparks flying and no rocks. No rocks are flying, but lots no. of sparks. So there we go. And Enterprise breaks free with Warp 2. Um, just any thoughts on on how it all came together? Do you feel like it was believable that this Doctor could actually get them to warp too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I suppose you're right about, you know, do we really need an engineering crew if you can do it? But equally, I suppose, you know, it would need to be reasonably simple to do. I mean, you wouldn't design something purposely <laughs> difficult to use, would you? <laughs> you would have like a button that that you know it's a bit like um trying to think you know like it's like a shortcut isn't it yeah you know you wouldn't have like you wouldn't have to press like 17 different buttons to get it to you know you would have a button that that sort of started the engine basically you know <laughs> um so yeah i mean um, yeah it, I, I can live with it definitely i, I think it's okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just trying to make budget cuts. That's what it is. Just, you know, I don't like having out too many people. You yeah. know, it's um uh, <laughs> uh Flox uh then wakes up Archer, he's a little bit groggy, he rises to having Porthos uh, on him. So I guess at this point Porthos, Porthos is not imaginary because yeah. Archer's reacting to it. Um uh to Paul, uh no, sorry, Trip goes to uh eat, uh, but doesn't talk to Topol. So, like, they're having this this little walk and talk in the corridor. He doesn't even look back at T'Pol. Um, He just he doesn't even acknowledge that she's there, um, which you could kind of write off as him being spaced out. You know, he's just woken up and all this sort of stuff. But again, it was a really nice moment. They didn't even give it yeah. away at that last second just before they're about to reveal what the twist is. Um, and then, yeah, he goes into... Uh, to Paul's quarters thank you so much for helping me she thanks him and then she disappears only to find that she's been laying here the whole time in a completely different outfit yes. um uh but uh, that poor to Paul now has to go and use the toilet so she's going to be um <laughs> she's still going to be backed up um uh then we get another call back to the lucas letter and so saying you don't mind all of that it's now going to be completely nonsensical or maybe it's a nice bit of entertainment for you as well uh 
Flux um, and the realtor pole then begin to talk and it's a one hell of a job conversation that comes into it as the episode ends. And that is it. That is um, it. Yeah. As an ending, though, is it mm. kind of like a there's a big sort of twist and then it's like you did one hell of a job. Then yeah. moving on. Um, it, it, there wasn't even more to it. They didn't pick up maybe a vital piece of information towards the arc <laughs> or do you feel like it was a, a good ending as such? I actually quite like the ending because it's sort of like he's been going for all this stuff and there's always, you know, and it's just like, oh, we're back to normal. And I, I quite <laughs> like that. I quite like that sort of for all the rest of the crew. It's been, you know, obviously the four days or six days or whatever it was, you know, they've just, they've been asleep. So nothing's mm-hmm. happened, you know, and for him, it's been like Zindi and, you know, <laughs> they to pole and, you know, all stuff going on. And it's like, oh, you know, so the, for them it's like oh nothing, and but for him it's been so I quite I quite like that, yeah, yeah. Been a defining moment for him, and then yeah. to be told from an outside source you did one hell of a job, you did it, you did good, uh, yeah. and you can move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does make me think that maybe I should have chosen to not do a temple trek, but do a dream trek, because yes. then we only cover bits where there's dreams. It would have been about three or four episodes, and the podcast would be done. Um, but anyway, there we go. That is it. Um, the episode ends there. So as we move on, we go into consequences. 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 What are the consequences? Question whether it addresses the consequences. The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer. But learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. What are the consequences of this episode? Um, none. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. As much as I love this episode to think of a major consequence that comes out of it, other than that Phlox can now get us to warp to in an emergency, in a pinch. He knows what buttons to press, I guess. Um, He can sort of pilot the ship. He's got additional skills, even if he doesn't have them on paper, that he didn't have before. He was never a character I thought was the self-doubting character. You know, he's not a Hoshi on the crew. Um, So the fact that he was self-doubting himself about a a set of jobs on the ship that he's never done before is completely legit. Like, I I would not want to be left running a starship all to myself for any given time uh, without being trained, as Trip had said. Um, So it feels like they set up a problem and answered it in the same episode that didn't need to be there. Mm. So there isn't really a consequence for him in terms of his character. Um, He just did really well. (laughs) He was just a really good guy at doing what he did. Um, I guess the only thing I could think of was that little bit in the letter to what's happening on earth, Mm. that there is this withdrawal of Mm. earth's programs and things like this. So if we were thinking of it in a historical sort of context, this is the point where our earth starts to, you know, retract and starts to pull back on itself. Um, Even, you know, fleetingly, maybe not permanently, but it is a sort of insular way forward. Mm. And that was the only thing I could think of. And I didn't know if there was anything else you could, you could sort of pick up on. I really can't No, It's it's a, it's a sort of bottle episode really, isn't it? In lots of ways. Mm. Yeah, like the definition of a bottle episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it. Consequences very light this week. Yeah. Um, alterations, expansions, anything you want to see done differently or 
anything more you would have liked to have seen? Do you want more of, uh, you know, uh, the Austin Powers walking around and <laughs> naked flocks? Or do you want, uh, did you want more of the T'Pol, imaginary T'Pol um, moments? No, I think they've got the balance pretty good, actually. I think it's a pretty decent episode. I mean, I think, you know, like we spoke about in the episode, you know, maybe if it was made now, there'd be more sort of the earth stuff and that, but that's not really a criticism or an alteration, really. Mm. I think it's a pretty good episode. I think the balance is good. Mm. The story flows pretty well. It's not it's not too slow paced, I don't think. I think it's, you know, there's, there's quite a nice little bit in the middle with the Hoshi scene and, and the, the Zindi and stuff. It's got a horror it's got a bit of a mm. horror feel about it. So I think I think it's a pretty decent episode. And I think, you know, given given the limitations of it being made in two thousand and three or four, whatever it is, mm. I think it's a pretty decent one. So I I'm I'm quite happy with it. Con- yeah. compared to a lot of so far what we've seen, <laughs> I think that's you know, the the criticism I suppose is it doesn't doesn't push the arc along particularly at all, you know. They just got through some space and, you know, that's all. But other than that, no, I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's one of my favourites of the season so far that we've been watching. Mm. Um, uh, You know, if we were to watch Twilight and Carpenter Street, that would have been something I would have said so far. Uh, So it probably makes it the best episode I've watched of season three so far, Mm. along with maybe Shipment for me. I think those are the two that I really really appreciate. Yeah, like there have been bits I've liked in other episodes, and then some episodes that I wish we'd never got at all, um, and ones that I wish had been explained a little bit more and we'd come back to. But this one is actually one I could genuinely rewatch, even knowing that little kind of twist at the end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, okay, that diminishes it a little bit, but it's still a good episode. It's still a great flocks and also a Topol and Jol- Jolene Blaylock episode. I think yes, more yes. than Topol because yes. Topol isn't real. So there we go. Um, so yeah, no alterations, expansions for me either. Uh, so recommendations. What did you think of the story? From my perspective. That's what I'm looking at. I'm going to recommend. Argumentes. pirate criteria of R. um yeah so would we recommend this episode to just star trek fans yes i would yeah i think it's a good episode again you know it is sort of a shame that the arc isn't pushed forward but as an episode if again it's a, it's a typical thing that i say quite often i think now you know if i was flicking through and it was, I would definitely watch it. And in fact, I would probably go further than that and say that, you know, if you were sort of sitting there thinking, I oh, fancy watching a bit of Enterprise, let's pick an episode. I think that would be, I don't think it'd be at the top, mm-hmm. but it'd be, it'd be one of those ones. If you just recently watched Carpenter Street or Twilight, for instance, <laughs> one of those really good episodes that, you know, that I've heard rumor of. Um, You're foaming at the mouth. It's, it's, it's unbecoming, <laughs> I have to say. Then this would be right up there, you know. This would be one of the, the sort of a season, particularly a season three episode. I think it would be, yeah, mm. yeah. So definitely, yeah. And it, it works here because obviously the the whole point of the thing they're trying to travel through is something the sphere builders have made. But if you took that out of it and it just became a dangerous region of space they wanted to get through yep. because they wanted to get to something on the other end, 
um, you know, have it part of a two-parter in season two or season one, it would also work as an episode back then as well. Um, which means it, it it didn't need to be here in season three and it could be enjoyed on its own rights, I think. And I think that's why it works as an episode. It's just a shame it doesn't have more of the arc or something else to just sort of push it that bit further. And it is a great flux and John Billingsley yeah. and I come back to it again. It's a great yeah. example of Jolene Blaylock and what she yeah. brought to the show. Um, to non-Star Trek fans, do you feel it also works as well? I mean, it would be a great character study for just flocks, and that yes. little twisty ending might sort of draw him. Oh, is this something that Star Trek does sometimes? But is it enough? No, I think you need to know too much. It's one of those episodes. It's not an episode, although it's a sort of bottle episode, and it's very internal to itself. I think you need to you need to know the characters a bit too much. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I suppose if they were looking at that point where Topol is just breaking down and she's just looking up in at the hull, you wouldn't appreciate that that's funny that she's yeah. making that face and doesn't know what to do. Um so yeah, it, it yeah, it's weird because it actually does bring in some great moments for the character when his imagination of what Vulcans are and being separate people, you know, people who enjoy their solitude um it came out so it was a believable vulcan backstory from someone who isn't a vulcan so yeah it's it it's weird because it will reset it 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 has its own reset button in its own episode it does yeah i mean i think you maybe you're right that if if this was in season one Mm. then yes i probably would have recommended it Mm. where it sits i just yeah 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 I suppose it depends on the frame of mind of the person watching. If they yeah. wanted to watch the arc, yeah, it doesn't need to be there. Um, if they wanted to just watch an episode of a really good Flox episode, yeah, they would watch it. Um, yeah. So perhaps, yeah, a, a yeah. I mean, it's one, yes. Maybe it's one of those where if you was a new viewer and you was watching Enterprise and you enjoyed Flox, hmm. then maybe yeah, you say yeah, this is a good Flox episode. This is a really good Flox episode. So mm. yeah, maybe. But yeah. It's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I, I want to say yes, yeah, really. <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying to be sort of, I'm trying to be logical and sensible, and that's it. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, it. Yeah, there's so many times where they've been really good episodes, but when you come to the criteria as we've been using so far it doesn't always measure up and it's such it's so fascinating to me that we can love an episode so much but we really couldn't recommend it yeah. because it re- it relies on too much knowledge and if this were a historical document uh and you know you had students in a class trying to work out history for 2154 how it all began and it's just an episode of one crew member and their personal journey it really isn't significant and doesn't have a lot of consequence yet. It's a fantastic moment in history. Yeah. Um, you know, what if Churchill had had a moment where he hallucinated and you wanted to learn about what he went through in his own personal journey, or what if, uh, you know, uh, Gandhi or, you know, uh, Emmeline Pankhurst or, you know, what of all these people, if we could actually get inside their head, mm. it would make a really good recommendation to historical students to, to study. Um, 
and yeah it would it just can't recommend it because it doesn't really inform their choices later in life it's you know it's very strange but there we go that's why i wanted to do the temple trek podcast um <laughs> so that's it we've recommended or not and yeah. so we go into s that's the last criteria yeah. um it's our socials first off so uh, where can people find you dan at academic trek 47 on twitter i am there i am um I'm, do you know, I've got quite a few followers now. Oh, I've got, got over a thousand followers. So, nice. first of all, thank you. If any of you are li- actually listening to this, just not just just <laughs> follow me for no apparent reason. You're just a bot. If you're not a bot <laughs> and you are listening to this, thank you. It's much appreciated. And and so now I've got I've got little sort of um, what's the word hopes or ambitions for to reach seventeen oh one. Oh, but I haven't oh, mentioned yes. that on my Twitter yet because I don't want to sort of, you know, because it's a bit early. I'm still only in around about 1100, <laughs> I think. So I need to just hold fire. But I, I, it's in there. You know, that possibility nice. is there. So, yeah. <laughs> so if, if I set up about 600 bot accounts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, would be a, yeah. just for a little bit and push it yeah. all the way out. Well, there we go. I mean, if you are listening and, you know, there's other people out there who want to uh, do Trek and all this sort of thing. So, uh, you know, go follow Dan. Go 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 now! Gonna go, hit the follow button. Um, you see, I I feel like I'm more like Flocks in this episode. Um, I'm sort of sitting in hundred number where I've been sitting for a very long time, and I'm pretty sure most of them are bots. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I I'd always tell myself I should go through and sort of just you know block that one. That's clearly a bot. Oh, she's got her boobs out. Yeah, that's clearly a bot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I do kind of feel like I'm I'm Flocks talking to myself on on Twitter sometimes. Um. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, we did cave paintings. We've done uh, Telegram. Uh, let's go for Smoke Signals. There you go. You can find us on Smoke Signals yep. and any other social medias you can follow. And so it all remains is to set up the next week. Unfortunately, we have to do this one. I'm really sorry, Dan. I tried to think of a temple check reason to, to miss it out, but I can't. Um, it's uh, Season 3, Episode 71 of the podcast and Season 3, Episode 17 of Enterprise. It's Hatchery. Oh, another stop off before we get to Azati Prime. <sighs> Why can't they just get to the point, please? Yeah. Uh, so, as always, thank you so much for listening. Even if you are a bot, even if you don't exist, I don't care. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you in the next time stream. We certainly will. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search The Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.